Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. Helping you invest in property for freedom, choice and profit. You'll learn new, innovative and multiple streams of property income. Whether you want to start, scale or systemize. And even if you don't have deposits. Hi, Kevin McDonald here and welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. Today's episode features Progressive's co-founder, Rob Moore. In this episode, Rob shares his expert experience on how to work with joint ventures and raise money for property deals. Rob has raised millions of pounds over 15 years for property investments. There is lots to learn here, so get ready. And I'll be back next week. The first thing I'll start with is a proven seven-step model for raising finance and doing JVs. If you follow this model in this order, you will raise money. So step one. Well, actually, step zero is obviously you have to find a deal. Now, people will say a good deal will find the money. Um, A good deal doesn't always find the money if you don't do these steps. But the better the deal, the the more likely it is that the money is going to flow your way. So step one then is you need to go to the places where the money is. Like here, like angel investing events. I've actually just done a, a, a UK first as a partnership with an angel investor, which I'll tell you about a bit later. Mark and I have met millionaires, a couple of billionaires at Angels Den and Property Angels Den. London business angels, flying clubs, charity balls, etc. So you have to go where the money is. You want to go to the high-end gym. There's two gyms in Peterborough that are the the highest and the lowest. The highest gym you go to, it's only about 70, 80 quid a month. But of course, all the nice cars are parked outside. They've got private plates, so you can kind of work out where they live. And you can probably kind of manoeuvre yourself to be near them. And then the lowest gym is called Ultra Body. And when you sign up, you get a free disease with your membership. So choose your gym wisely. (laughs) So that's a continual thing. You know, don't come back next week and say it's not working. Keep doing it, it'll work. Number two then, is you need to connect with people and get their contact information. Now, a big mistake people make is when they meet people in the initial stages at stage one, they go in and they pitch too early. That's a mistake. Don't do that. Don't do that. I mean, look, you might get lucky every now and again if someone's ready, but it's best not to do that, unless it's a pitch environment. So the goal is always to connect with someone because you want to then, and this is still part of this point, you then want to build a relationship with them outside of the environment in which you met them. No one wants to be pitched at at a golf club or in a flying club. That's where you meet them. And then you build a relationship with them outside of that. I found that to work the best. I've never pitched anyone directly in any of these places I've gone and sort of reverse engineering it. That's why it worked. Point three then is you want to build a relationship steadily with between five and probably 15 touch points, i.e. between five and 15 interactions with this person 
you're going to be able to then talk about a commercial element. Structure a deal. Don't do it too early and don't take forever either. Now, it depends. If they're a proper business person, it might be near a five. You know, if they're investing their own savings, it might be near a 15. Whether they're sceptical or optimistic, it varies. Step four, you need to find out their values and their vision. You need to find out why they're going to invest. They're going to lend money. And you do this conversationally, by the way. Right, step five, and only at this point. If you do it before now, it will probably push money away. But if you do it at this step, it's the right step, which will hopefully have many of you have faith that you're doing the right thing, even though it's not happened yet. And step five is you create a commercial deal that works for you both, whether that's a loan, 50-50 JV, one for you, one for me. You know, get, get the, um, the paperwork you need done, like finding out if they're a sophisticated investor, making sure that you're legally compliant, which is important, by the way. Don't ignore that. Step six, then, is you need the financial commitment. Now, I'd want to find out if they've actually got the money about step, step, stage four. If I wait till stage six, if they've got the money, we could be a bit long into the deal. An easy way to, by the way, find out if they've got the money is just to say, look, I can't really talk about any financial arrangements of this because I don't want to be in hot water with FSA regulations. So before we can go any further, just would need to get some proof of funds Maybe you're a high net worth sophisticated investor. Maybe you could um, send me a form. You could even get them to do that to a solicitor if you wanted to be double sure. Because what you don't want to be is at stage six and find out, oh, actually, they haven't got any money. They said they have, but they haven't. And then stage seven is you need to deliver a great service. You need to do a great deal. You need to work out how much they want to be communicated with and to and how. And you need to go and make that deal work. Now, by the way, when you've done a deal with someone and you've paid them the money back with profit, interest, where is that money most likely to go? back to you. It's not likely to go in the bank because it probably came out of the bank and the interest rates are really low. By the way, when interest rates are 5, 6, 8% and you can get that in a bank, it might not be as easy to do JVs and borrow money. So you're in a good economic climate to borrow money because people are motivated because they're earning less than inflation. And that's important to remember. I don't know if you've ever thought this. I don't know if you've ever thought, why would anyone lend their money to me, or do a JV with me. I sometimes think why, you know, the podcast guests I get on my show, why do they want me to interview them? Why do they want me to be their mentor? Um, uh, Jake Wood, who's uh, Max Brang in, East, in East, EastEnders, he's invited me to him and his mates poker night, and they're like, they're his best mates that he's had since he was a kid, and they've been play, play, playing poker for years. And he's invited me to go and play with them, and I'm like, Why? What is it about me? And I think you've got to realise there's something about you that people see in you. But this is important, so write this down, and this is a new bit. If you don't see anything in yourself, they won't. If you don't believe in yourself, they won't. 
Now, when you've done it for a while, you've got that proof. What if you haven't got that proof? Okay, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to list to you right now some investable qualities which angels and dragons and hundred millionaires have told me are investable qualities. One, persistence. Two, resilience. Three, consistency. Four, a problem solver. Five, passion. Six, enthusiasm. Seven, creativity or innovation. Now, there's others, but draw a line under there and then write these two. A good deal and security. So the bottom two may require a little bit of experience. You'll get that as you go. The top, I think, seven, they don't require any experience. They are human traits. Traits that every single one of you in this room, this side, middle, and this side have. At the front and the back, you all have those traits. They're within you. You just have to let them out. And I can tell you this for sure, and I would underline this one. I would get out a different colored pen for this one. For those of you that still use felt tips and have a pencil case. A fixer of problems is huge. You can sell me all you like, but I know there's going to be problems. You can do a great deal the last one you've done, but that doesn't mean this one's going to be perfect. But if I know you have a desire to fix problems, we're probably going to have a good relationship because guaranteed there will be problems. And anyone who's got money and anyone who's business savvy is not naive to think that there won't be. And if you say they won't be and you do the perfect pitch, they'll still be like, yeah, there'll be shit that goes wrong. So they're looking for you to fix problems. That is a roll up your sleeves, human behavior that everyone in this room can do. So whatever area you're in, how far you have to travel to go to London or Peterborough, how long you've been doing this, how many deals you've done, it doesn't matter. And I'm going to prove it. Um, so I'm going to give you two choices. And I'm going to ask you to stand up when I give you A or B choice. So you have the two choices here. You've got money. You have a willingness to lend it out. Would you A, lend it to someone who you didn't like and didn't trust, but the deal was good and the security was there? Or B, someone you liked and trusted, but maybe they don't have as much experience? So I'm going to say it again. A, you don't really like them, you don't trust them, but you've got security and... The deal looks good. They've got some experience. B, you like them, you trust them. Maybe not so experienced. Stand up if you would rather invest with person A. You're right. By the way, none of these are right or wrong, by the way. I just want to... Okay. So there's probably 40, 30, not even people in this room who would lend on a deal and security rather than a trust and like and rapport. Sit down, thank you. Stand up if you are person B. Okay, take a seat. Who doesn't have any legs? <laughs> <laughs> All right, 
Now, if that, now I could not plan how that went. Come on. That's got to be solid proof that you can raise money and you can do deals from where you start. If that's not good enough proof for you, surely I am good enough proof for you. Because I was £50,000 in credit card debt and car loan debt. I had credit cards on credit cards on credit cards to pay credit cards. So much to the point that one of my most nervous moments in the week was going down to Sainsbury's, buying something for a quid and asking for 50 quid cash back and praying that it would go through. I had a car loan for a car and I sold the car and I still had three, three and a half years left to pay on the, on the car loan. But I didn't have the car, sold it. Now, a lot of people are even more debt than that now, but with inflation back then, it was a decent amount. And when I met Mark, I had no experience. I'd read no books. I'd bought no properties. Now, it's not for me to say what Mark saw in me. It's for Mark to say. But it might be for you to think what you think Mark saw in me if I had no money, no experience. And whatever you think that Mark saw in me, you have in you. Now, many of you in this room also have credibility and experience or transmutable credibility and experience in other ventures that you've done, in your other professions. I can honestly say when it comes to raising money and doing JVs, the technical side of it is important. And by the way, write this down, it's important to stop things going wrong. But actually, it's not the biggest barrier. The biggest barrier is you believing you can do it. And sometimes it's hard to have certainty when you don't have proof. I did a podcast interview with an American influencer called Ed Milet, and I've had as much feedback on that as being one of my best episodes as many I've had. And one of the things people have said over and over is they loved his part when he talked about certainty and belief in yourself. And he said when people say that, you know, I'm selling is about believing in the product, that's not true. Selling is about believing in yourself. It's simple as that. If you don't believe in yourself, why should anyone else? But what if you haven't got the proof? So there's two ways to get belief in yourself. Experience and remembering the fact that you've lived 30, 40, 50, 60 years on this planet and you've got a life story and you're worthy of self-belief. And that has to come from you. Now, sometimes when I do things, I have some reservations some worries, some fears. But I know that if things go wrong, I'll do my best to fix it. I know that about myself. I have too much commitment and accountability to the community. So as long as you know that about yourself, you can go in and get a deal done. Now, if you want to create fair exchange, you go in and you give a little bit more equity away. So the next thing I'm going to talk about is, uh, by the way, who's finding this useful so far? Show me your hand if you want. Thank you very much. So the next thing I'm going to talk about is fair exchange, the principle of fair exchange. Because I think this will help you negotiate good deals, whether it's buying property or doing JVs or raising finance, lending money or borrowing money. So fair exchange, the environment, the perfect equilibrium, is the balance between fair service and fair profit. It's the balance between the fair division of roles and responsibilities. Consumer, producer, lender, investor. 
Now, if you charge too much and deliver too little, that's unfair exchange in reverse your favour. But there are many people in this room, consultants, trainers, educators, mentors, who are charging too little because you don't feel you're worth it. And have you ever had a customer, a client, or a business and started to resent it because you feel like you're not making enough money or you're undercharging for your time or you're giving too much away or people are taking too much from you? And if you've ever felt like that, that is unfair exchange. And the way to get rid of that emotion is to charge more because there's always a price where it's fair, where you feel worth my time, where they feel good value. Now, that can be elastic, i.e. it's movable. But when Mark and I started property, there was no way I would have trained anyone. I didn't feel credible. And then when we bought 20 properties and people were asking us what we do, we just have a chat with them for free. And then we bought, when we bought 50 properties and people were like, well, how'd you do it? We wrote a book and sold it for a tenner. And then when we bought 100 properties, we felt credible to do a course. And then when we had 200 properties, we felt credible to be mentors. But you got us a lot cheaper 10 years ago. And our mentoring fees in the last 10 years have doubled, 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 doubled. And I might double them after this event. They're going to double again soon. They've doubled, 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 and then nearly doubled again. Why? A, because we've got more experience, of course. Experience is always relevant. But B, because we believe in ourselves more and we know what we're worth and we know what we're not worth and we know what we won't give ourselves away for. And that is self-worth, by the way. I wrote my new book. It came out on Thursday. I'm worth more. Self-worth equals net worth. It's huge, huge. Oh, you can't charge that in my industry, Rob. In virtually every industry, you will find the boutique, the high end and the luxury. There's someone who cuts the Sultan of Brunei's hair for £5,000 plus expenses and travel. Don't look at my hair, Alex. I've realised when you look at the screen, look at that. <laughs> oh, how property's been a gift and also a curse. <laughs> yeah. You can also see where I walked into the Range Rover. <laughs> um, so that's fair exchange. So let's say you're doing a JV and you're like, oh, well, I'm just starting out. I don't want to be too greedy. Do a 65-35 split. Do a 60-40 split to the point where you feel, do you know what? This feels right. This is fair. All good. Don't. Give too much away through guilt. A lot of people, oh, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough. Oh, yeah, you can have a lot. And then, and then the resentment kicks in afterwards. Okay, I want to talk now about, by the way, I'm picking off quite a lot of questions we've had. Creditworthiness and lendworthiness. Write both of those down. Creditworthiness, lendworthiness. They're different. Well, they're the same, but they're different. Creditworthiness is your credit footprint your score on Experian, the information that lenders see on you, your payment history, 
One thing Mark said to me really early was, Rob, never miss a payment on anything. And one of the, one of the main reasons was because we're linked on credit, so he didn't want my bad credit hurting his bad credit. Um, but your credit worthiness is you getting lending, and you getting lending is you scaling your property portfolio. So he said, never miss a payment. Keep your credit clean. He goes and checks online for me and my credit score, and he helps me with that. On the way down today, he restructured all my... Sorry, um, when we came down in the car the day before yesterday. He sold a load of my shares and restructured them and put them into different funds, and he did all that for me. It's great to have someone to help you in that area when it's not your strength. That's your credit worthiness. Your lend worthiness, that's your reputation. That's the trust, the goodwill, the mind space. It's how much you serve and you solve. It's how much you care and have concern to serve. That's your lend worthiness. And that, by the way, is just as important as your credit worthiness. Make no mistake about it. And again, you don't need any experience for that. You need to do the right thing. Just want to give you a one minute little micro break for your mind. So um, my wife and children are coming down. They may even be here. Um, and they don't often come to my events, usually because of my language. Although I must admit, I've not been, it doesn't really matter now. Um, I'm quite into heavy metal. It's one of my um, guilty pleasures. And um, when Bobby was born, I used to play two things in the car, one after the other, just depending on our mood. One would be Tony Robbins. He used to say when he was two years old, put Tony on, put Tony on, put Tony on. Do you think it's pretty cool? And another one was heavy metal. And um, pretty much when he just started talking, his, his mum put him in the car. And she got in the front of the car and he said, Motherfucker! <laughs> With an A on the end. <laughs> yeah, that was my music. Sorry, honey. Bless you. Um... I don't know how many WhatsApp messages I've had over this weekend from people saying thank you. There's been men messaging me saying I love you. Um, Dylan did, Ryan did. And so um, this is very special, so thank you for being a part of it. It's very special for me as well as it is for hopefully you, so thank you very much. Okay. Oh, thank you. All right, cool. So thank you. Right, let's go then. I'm going to talk uh, more questions I've been asked about raising finance and JVs. So Khadijah asked, how do you open the conversation without begging? I think it's a good one. Please. Oh, my life. <laughs> um, the way I always try and get to the discussion of money or deal is to have them make the first move. So I suppose it is a little bit of financial flirting, you could say. How might I do that? Just every chance I get talk about deals and property and what I'm doing. A little bit of fishing. But I try my best not to go in and say, oh, so should we talk about business? I try and let them make that first move. 
And usually, if you converse and seed in some things that you're doing and gently move the conversation towards property and business, they will do that. And always ask for money stood up, not on your knees. That helps. <laughs> All right. So hopefully that helps, Khadija. Um, Natalie, how do you ask without asking? I think it's a similar question. So selling to is asking someone, have you got any money? You know, what kind of property joint venture do you want to engage with? That's selling to, if you like. Selling through is, do you know anyone who would be interested in X deal? Y venture? Z opportunity? So if you put, and write this down, this little, it's just a little script, but it's really simple. Do you know anyone who? That's how to ask without asking. Now, by the way, if you network with people consistently enough, and those of you that do, you'll know this. All these questions, which are wise questions, they kind of become irrelevant because it happens in a trusted environment like the Progressive VIP community, like the Progressive Property Networking event, like a business networking event that you've gone to a few times. These conversations happen if you turn up. Sometimes I hear people say, yeah, I went to a couple of those meetings and there's no money in the room. Well, no one advertises how much money they've got in the room. How could you ever know that? You couldn't. So those conversations will happen if you go to events long enough. I wonder by long enough, I mean it might happen in the first three months, six months, I don't know. I got lucky in some regard. I met Mark at my very first property networking event. But I went around and networked with everyone. And I was uncomfortable doing that. Okay, David has asked, where do you find investors? And what pack do you use do, or do you give them? So I found that two thirds at least of people, write this down, don't need to see a pack. But this is what I would do. If I would get yourself a nice metrosexual man bag, carry this baby everywhere with me I go, and have a folio in there whether it's your handbag, your laptop bag, in another folder with the deals that you're doing or you've done. Now, many of you have done deals 30 or 40 years ago. You've, your own houses that have gone up in value, deals that you've tried to package but maybe didn't quite go through, they can all be in the folio as long as you're clear and not pretending that you own them all. And you have that with you wherever you go. And then when the conversation gets to the relevant moment, you can say, oh, I've got a few properties past and present in my bag. I have found only about one third of investors ask for a pack. But you should keep a portfolio. Just go into Coleman's to get the leather bound thing. I'm gobsmacked how many people don't do that. You should do it for your own goals and records anyway. Now, where do you find people with money? I'm just going to list everywhere you find people with money. So write this down. I've covered five already, I think. Just before we do that, turn to your partner and say, show me the money. <laughs> I have a friend in the audience. I looked at him and he went, don't do that. Don't do that. 
saw you, too cool. <laughs> All right, so here we go. Flying clubs. Oh, but Rob, I can't afford to fly. Every birthday, Christmas, Valentine's, anniversaries, gifts that you've got to call in, get people to buy you half-hour flying lessons. Fixed wing is about half the price of a, a rotary, a helicopter. Go and have a few uh, flying lessons and go and meet people. There are so many loaded people at your local flying club. Do it or don't, but if you do, it'll be a great experience. The higher-end gyms I've already told you about. Golf clubs, rotary clubs, squash clubs, charity balls. Property meetings, business meetings. Through other friends of yours. Every single one of these places bar squash club because I don't do squash. I've found people who've got money. Every single one. Family, friends, business people you know, people you connect with on LinkedIn, they're everywhere. Now, when you hang around with people with money, who do they hang around with? People with money. And I think in the early days, I used to look at Mark, who, in my, in my view, Mark would only really hang around with people with money, and I thought it was a bit elitist. But it wasn't that he was hanging around with people with money just because that's the only people he wanted to hang out with. It was because he's got money and you hang out with people like you. So it's a natural gravitation. Okay, so what is money? This is important. Money is an abstract concept of value. It's a universal exchange of value. It's a measure of worth. It's an efficient exchange. All your fears, all your doubts, everything that you feel that wouldn't have money come your way is you, not money. All your beliefs is you, not money. Now, money is moving faster than ever because if you want a deal, someone can pay the money to the solicitor at the speed of light. I was going to say, and then the solicitor can pay at the speed of light, but some of them don't go at the speed of light. Money moves fast, faster than it's ever moved. And in the current climate we're in, I'm seeing money move faster than ever. I mean, look at this event. It's sold out. Mark and I, we could do 10 multi-million pound deals and the money would be there just like that. And you could too. So I think if you start to build a good relationship with money, understand what it is. It's a way for a producer to serve a consumer. It's a way for a lender to serve an investor. It's a way for a JV partner to serve a JV partner. Oh, you know, has anyone watched Dragon's Den? Show me your hand if you've watched Dragon's Den. I don't like to assume, but show me your hand if you have. Okay, so how many times have you seen the dragons invest with someone they got turned off by and didn't like? I never have. You immediately see them go like this. Immediately. Yeah, done, out. I think that's telling. That's telling 
because they are sophisticated investors who for a living invest money. That is very telling to me. So my job is to hopefully give you the balance in this session of skill set, mindset and accountability. So we've covered quite a lot on skill set. I've given you a lot of hopefully practical tips. This, of course, is the mindset, which I believe is more important than the skill set because the skill set you can find on the way as you go. Keep turning up to events, get good mentors, keep reading books, keep listening to audio programs, keep listening to podcasts. You can always top that up. And by the way, you don't have to be perfect before you start. If you're a bit worried about using someone's money, well, I think that's a really good thing. If you weren't worried about using my money, you're not getting it. I want you to be worried about using my money. So then you'll use my money wisely. So fear is okay. Okay, so I'm going to give you a bit of troubleshooting now. I want this course to be as balanced as possible. Yes, it's designed to get you excited. It's designed to teach you what you can do. But I'm going to give you a quick list of troubleshooting. Write these down. So the first thing is, do your research without them knowing. As soon as they know you're researching, they'll go into salesperson mode. They can't help it. It's human nature. It's not, it's not even a criticism of people. It's just, they will. So do your research on people without them knowing. Two, if you're lending money, always get security. Some people don't, and they can often regret it. Three, if you're borrowing money, don't just borrow the money because you can get the money. Because all money has a cost. And if the cost is 5 6%, great. If the cost is working with a nightmare partner, that's not great. Now, when you have a decent flow of people, you can be more selective about the money and who you choose. But money always has a cost and not just a return. Four, when it comes to lending or borrowing, you don't have to rush, you have time. Five, don't do a deal that's too big for you too soon. Six, leverage the community. You've been listening to the Progressive Property Podcast. Remember, we're on iTunes and Stitcher. We're out every single Tuesday. Make sure you've subscribed. And also make sure you follow the Progressive Property YouTube channel where there's updated videos every single week on various different property investment strategies. I've been Kevin McDonnell. You've been amazing. Everybody.